This is the Intego Mac Podcast. The voice of Mac security. For Thursday, December 28th, 2023. This week's Intego Mac Podcast security headlines include The Apple Watch gets a reprieve, for a short time anyway. Japan is following the EU's lead by considering a law forcing Apple to allow sideloading on iPhones. Auto manufacturers are already announcing next-generation CarPlay features. And we discuss reports of a rumored sooner-than-later release of Apple's new Vision Pro. Now, here are the hosts of the Intego Mac Podcast, veteran Mac journalist Kirk McElhern and Intego's chief security analyst Josh Long. Good morning, Josh. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you, Kirk? I'm doing just fine. A very Merry Christmas to you. I hope you have enjoyed your holiday. Absolutely. Hope you had a great holiday as well. And we've got New Year's coming up right around the corner. But before we get there, we have a new Chrome zero-day vulnerability exploited in the wild. It's like deja vu all over again, right? Yeah, these things come up pretty often. In fact, this year, this was number eight. So we had them like pretty close to monthly in terms of how frequently these things came out. So an actively exploited vulnerability in the Chrome browser and therefore all Chromium-based browsers. So if you're using Chrome or Edge or Brave or Opera or any other Chromium-based browser, you need to make sure that you've got the latest version because there was a pretty serious vulnerability that just got patched. This vulnerability is described as a heap-based buffer overflow bug in the WebRTC framework that could be exploited to result in program crashes or arbitrary code execution. Now, that second one, you may not worry too much about crashes, but where these kind of things can become problematic is sometimes it does a little more than just crashing your browser or your application that you're using. Arbitrary code execution basically means that a bad guy if they're exploiting this vulnerability in just such a way, they could potentially run malicious code on your computer. And that's, of course, a very bad thing. Arbitrary code execution sounds like, I don't know, someone who pressed the wrong button on a PowerPoint presentation or something, but it's really much more serious than that. Basically, what it means is that someone can run an application, right? It's not just code. It's an entire application on your computer. And that's the thing we worry about most, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. So whatever that arbitrary code might be, you, you don't know. I mean, it could be potentially anything. So that's that's the tricky thing and the reason why these kinds of vulnerabilities need to be patched as quickly as possible. Everybody's using Chrome just about. You're either using, on a Mac, you're either using Chrome or you're using Safari more than likely. Firefox's market share is down in the like three-ish percent. So most people are really using Safari or some Chromium-based browser on the Mac. I'm a Safari user. I just don't see the need to worry about other browsers. And of course, if you're using iOS or iPadOS, if you've got an iPhone or iPad, you're basically using Safari because even if you've downloaded another browser from the App Store, you're technically still using WebKit, which is the underpinnings for Safari because at least at this point, Apple doesn't allow you to have any kind of third-party browser engine. So the guts, the underneath layer, is really just Safari. Now, that may change at some point because there is uh, something that's coming out next year where in the EU, 
Apple is going to have to either allow sideloading or th- allow third-party app stores in order to comply with a new EU law that I think goes into effect in March. And so because of that, there, it may get to the point where maybe we will have third-party browsers that will have their own engines because they'll be able to circumvent the app store in that case. Well, not only the EU, Japan apparently is coming up with a law to do the same thing. And this is for both Apple and Google app store monopolies to allow third-party app stores on both of these platforms. So that could have an effect on the browser. Imagine if you got Europe and Japan, those are both very large markets. You can't go much further without the U.S. following suit. It's becoming increasingly likely that when Apple rolls out whatever they're going to have to do in order to comply with the EU law and the potential proposed Japanese law, at some point, you you know, you're going to have just about every country who's either, you know, basically saying that in order to be compliant with the law here, you also need to do that here, Apple. And at some point, Apple's just going to have to make this something that's available worldwide. And maybe they'll just do that right off the bat. I don't know. We'll have to see. Well, they can't say it's not possible if they've already done it in Europe and they can't say, well, it's not possible to do it in the US because we use dollars and not euros or something like that. They're not going to have very many excuses that are going to be believable to anybody. So we have new Go-based malware that targets Windows and Macs. And I've been playing Go for decades and I don't see how you get malware out of Go. (laughs) No, it's not that Go. It's not the game. This is Go, the programming language. Go is a programming language. That's not very good for SEO, is it? (laughs) Search engine optimization. That's a good point because there's a lot of things named Go. It's literally two letters. Well, in any case, a lot more malware lately over the past year or so has been based on this Golang, Go programming language. And so it's not too surprising to see this stealer malware named Jaska Go that is available cross-platform. It can infect both Windows and macOS computers. Interestingly, AT&T actually did a write-up of this. I forget because I I guess I have seen write-ups that AT&T has done before on malware, but I forget that AT&T even has like a cybersecurity division, but apparently they do some malware research as well. And so they have a write-up about this latest malware. Okay. It looks like the usual cryptocurrency malware that's looking for cryptocurrency wallets. It's stealer malware. Yeah. Which again, we've seen an awful lot of this year. Malware likes to target cryptocurrency wallets. They like to steal your cookies. Like stealer malware is very in this year. (laughs) And I imagine that it's probably going to continue to be very popular into 2024 because this is something that can make you money if that's your goal. It's something that in the case of stealing cookies, it can allow you to hack lots of people's accounts all at once. So if that's your goal is infecting and spreading propaganda or whatever it might be through hacked Facebook accounts, there's lots of things that you can do with stealer malware. And so this is something that we're not likely to see diminish anytime soon. But if you're using Indigo software, you're protected, right? Of course. Okay. We're recording this on Wednesday the 27th, and just minutes before we started recording, we got the news that a federal court blocked the Apple Watch ban pending an appeal. Now, the Apple Watch Series 9 and Ultra have been banned from sales in the U.S. since December 21st. I think the actual ban came into effect on the 25th, but Apple decided to stop selling it on the 21st. 
could be for reasons of logistics, I don't know. You were able to buy them, and we talked about this last week from third parties, Amazon or Best Buy or wherever. We were going to tell you about a story that Apple wasn't able to repair out of warranty Apple Watches due to this import ban, that if you had a new watch under warranty or if you had Apple Care, then you could get repairs and... Because of the ban, you couldn't. Now, when Apple repairs a watch, they generally just give you a different watch, right? They don't try to repair the device, even if it's a screen replacement. I think they just give you a different watch. So for some reason, we were discussing this before. I was thinking that there's some contractual thing to do with warranties and Apple Care that couldn't be banned. But Josh, you had a different opinion. Well, yeah, it's not really clear if that's the case, that maybe Apple has a loophole and is still allowed to distribute these watches as long as it's a warranty replacement. But the other possibility might just be that maybe Apple is trying to conserve parts. Maybe that was kind of the the idea behind it. Not so much that they had any special legal differentiation between devices that were covered under a warranty versus not. It might just be that they were trying to avoid running out of parts for those people who had devices that were under warranty. But in any case, I guess this is moot now because this latest breaking news is that apparently a federal court has blocked the Apple Watch ban pending appeal. And so I guess Apple has until what was it, uh, January 12th to make this change. I guess it's a software change, potentially, they're assuming that could allow Apple to continue to sell the Apple watches after that. We'll link to an article on CNN, which is the first one that we saw on Twitter. And it says that the appeals court's temporary block on the ITC, that's the International Trade Commission, on the ITC's order will allow the U.S. Customs Department to consider Apple's redesign of the offending Apple watch models, a fix that is expected to take place by January 12. Now, I don't think that by January 12, they will be able to do anything to the hardware of the watch. There are four different colors of the aluminum watch. No, sorry. There are five different colors of the aluminum watch. There are three colors in stainless steel. There are two sizes for each one, plus there's the Apple Watch Ultra. That's an awful lot of different devices to retool to create a new blood oxygen sensor system. My guess is that they can do something in software, because remember, a patent like this applies both to hardware and software, both to the detection and the interpretation of the detection. So maybe they can do something in software to get around the patent. Well, in this case, maybe by January 12th, Apple has said that they can release an update, which would allow them to no longer be in violation of the patent. We were talking before the show, it just doesn't make sense that Apple hasn't settled. The only possibility is that the patent holder Massimo just said, we're not settling because they don't need the money. I mean, they're not a huge company. They're a billion-dollar company, but they're in a niche market of medical devices, and maybe they just don't care about the money. Maybe they just want to play David to Apple's Goliath. It's kind of funny that you say that, you know, they're a billion dollar company, not a huge company. Well, compared to Apple, they're not a huge company. <laughs> Let's put it that Apple's way. Apple's a $3 trillion company. So there's a huge difference. Right, right. So we'll see whether Apple is able to come out with a software fix for this. But at least for now, you can actually still buy your Series 9 or Apple Watch Ultra 2. Well, the Apple Store online in the U.S. has not updated yet. I'm sure that they're scurrying. To update it. Maybe if the store goes down, that means they're going to reissue the devices. When you go to the Apple Watch Series 9 page or Apple Watch Ultra 2, it says currently unavailable. Maybe by the end of the day, US time, they will be available again. 
Okay, we want to do an update on something we mentioned two or three weeks ago that Apple had announced June 2022 that there was going to be a next generation CarPlay experience, as they said, and that there would be announcements by the end of 2023. Well, there were some announcements on December 20th last week, I think just after we recorded our podcast. So a number of car manufacturers have announced support for the new CarPlay, and these are all the expensive cars, the ones that you and I don't drive. So it's not really important, is it? Well, you're probably right about that. I'm not likely to be buying an Aston Martin or a Porsche anytime soon, but those are the two brands that are going to have this new next-gen CarPlay interface in 2024 when this launches. So you know what? It's kind of a Christmas miracle because we did, after all, get (laughs) (laughs) the announcement about which car manufacturers were going to be first to support the new CarPlay experience. And just like we saw a year and a half ago, these are full dash, you know, multi-display, big elaborate things that include things like the odometer and all sorts of other things like this. You can have the navigation taking place right in front of you so you can look through your steering wheel to see the navigation rather than having to look off to the side to see your Apple Maps. And, you know, your passenger in the passenger seat can control the music potentially or other things with a display in front of them. So there's a lot of really interesting things that can be done with this. And so Apple is showing off what this experience is going to look like in the first vehicles that will support it. So, you know, I live in the UK and I live next to a farm and my landlord, the farmer has some holiday cottages. So little houses they rent for, you know, people on vacation, holiday means vacation. A few weeks ago, there was an Aston Martin DB5 sitting out in front of one of the houses. That's the James Bond car. And I remember when I was young, I had a little model Corgi James Bond car. And that was really interesting to see. I will never be able to drive an Aston Martin or a Bentley or a Porsche or any of those. So when they bring it to Peugeot, which I currently have, or Toyotas, I'll be able to try the new CarPlay experience. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about some more news. Protecting your online security and privacy has never been more important than it is today. Intego has been proudly protecting Mac users for over 25 years, and our latest Mac protection suite includes the tools you need to stay protected. Intego's Mac Premium Bundle X9 includes Virus Barrier, the world's best Mac anti-malware protection, Net Barrier, powerful inbound and outbound firewall security, personal backup to keep your important files safe from ransomware, and much more to help protect, secure, and organize your Mac. Best of all, it's compatible with macOS Sonoma and the latest Apple Silicon Macs. Download the free trial of Mac Premium Bundle X9 from Intego.com today. When you're ready to buy, Intego Mac Podcast listeners can get a special discount by using the link in this episode's show notes at podcast.intego.com. That's podcast.intego.com. And click on this episode to find the special discount link exclusively for Intego Mac Podcast listeners. Intego, world-class protection and utility software for Mac users made by the Mac security experts. So we have a story that Google is updating their Maps feature, which is Maps app and plus also Maps on the web, to prevent authorities from accessing location history data. 
Now, this is kind of interesting. They're doing this to protect users' locations from law enforcement, the Verge article says. And they're not actually changing the app. I think they're just changing the way data is stored. So they're saying that the map's location will be stored locally on the devices instead of in the cloud, which means that something called geofence warrants, which allow law enforcement to gather tech companies' data on mobile phones that have passed through a certain area during a specific time period, can no longer be used to get data about individual users. It's kind of surprising from Google, who wants to snarf up all the data about everyone and monetize it. And they're trying to be the good guys because they're particularly talking about Black Lives Matter protests in Seattle, where people were discovered using Maps data. But Google wants that data. So there's kind of a conflict with Google here. This isn't Google we know. Well, and you know what? I, Google might be trying to be more competitive with Apple because Apple's been saying for years, iPhone, that's privacy, right? It looks good for Google to come out and say, well, we hear you and we want to be more privacy conscious as well. At the same time, we know we're making a lot of money off of your data, but you know what? It will throw you a bone. So we're going to make it look like we care about your privacy Honestly, this is a good thing probably from Google's perspective too, because Google doesn't want to necessarily hand over everybody's data to law enforcement agencies just at a request, right? So if they can put this barrier between themselves and that data, technically they still have access to the data in the sense that it lives on your device. And so you know, your Google app, your copy of Google Maps is still going to have all that data. And so they can still use that on device to maybe target you with ads or things like that. And so they still benefit with having that data on your device. It's just taking away that opportunity for them to turn over that data that had been stored on their servers to law enforcement or whoever might request it. I wonder how the Chinese government feels about this. Like, they've required Apple to have iCloud servers in China, right? Obviously, there's a lot of data on iPhones that's stored on the devices that's encrypted, but they still want to have access. So it's not clear. Is Google doing this because of a specific country? The, the article we have here is talking about FDI warrants, or are they just doing it in general because they want to not be evil? Remember when their slogan was, don't be evil? 25 years ago, whenever it was? The one thing that's interesting is... The change will take place gradually over the next year on both the Android and iOS versions of the Google Maps app. It's going to take a year for everyone to get this? That doesn't make any sense, right? Because it's like, okay, if they, if they roll out a new version of the app that stores the data locally, why is it going to take a year to roll that out? It's almost as though what they're really trying to say is we're not going to say that we're getting rid of it until a year from now when by then I think we'll get rid of all of it. Okay, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about a scam email that I got saying that I had been using someone's images illegally and that, well, I will issue a DMCA takedown unless you give me $500 in Bitcoin. And that was obviously fake. And I got another one last week that was kind of interesting. It was an iCloud free storage notice. Your iCloud storage might be full. When exceeding your storage subscription limit, your photos, documents, contacts, and device data will no longer be backed up. Also, your photos and videos will no longer be uploaded to cloud photos. Cloud drive and apps for cloud will not be updated on your device. Cloud, not iCloud. <laughs> you can continue backing up your photos, apostrophe S, with extra cloud storage. Click and receive 50 GB storage for free. Get this deal. Kind regards, subscription team. 
the reason we're bringing this up is a lot of people got new iPhones. Maybe you're upgrading from an old phone for Christmas, or maybe you've got a new Mac for Christmas, and you're going to get this and think, well, I don't have a lot of iCloud storage. Ooh, free iCloud storage. This is Apple, folks. There's nothing for free. I mean, okay, you get the operating system for free. You get a whole bunch of apps. But all this stuff, this is the ka-ching for Apple. This is where they get 99 cents a month or $2.99 for extra iCloud storage. There is no free iCloud except for that measly five gigabytes that they give you when you get a device, which isn't even enough to upload your Christmas videos. And you've been saying this for years. This is this is where Apple is really making so much of their money now is on subscriptions, right? It's not just the hardware sales. They're also making a ton of money on subscriptions. That's why Apple's trying to get everybody to buy into top tier iCloud plans and the Apple One subscriptions that include, you know, News Plus and Apple TV Plus and all the other things and Apple Arcade. You know, Apple really, really wants to get as many people as possible paying for these bundles that include everything because then Apple gets to make a ton more money off of you and on a monthly basis, which is great for Apple. I think the first time I wrote about this was 15 years ago on Macworld saying that iCloud storage, which was five gigabytes then, iCloud storage should be per device. If you've got one iPhone, get five gigabytes. If you've got an iPhone, an iPad, and a Mac, you should have 15 or 50. It's just... It's cheap. It's Apple nickel and diming people. It's really sad that Apple still does this. There, I said it. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. Five gigs doesn't make any sense. And the fact that Apple's still giving five gigs of storage when, guess what? We can record 4K videos on our iPhones these days. Like, come on. You can't do anything with five gigabytes anymore. That's why I said you can't even store your Christmas videos. If you get a new iPhone and you want, oh, it, it records in 4K. Let's do all this in 4K. And then you lose it. Anyway. Apple's got something new coming out. It's the funny-looking goggles with the googly eyes on them. It's called the Vision Pro. Reports say it's going to launch by February. Now, if you look at Apple's usual launch schedule, we know the iPhone every year is September. We know that the Mac is generally around that time, maybe twice a year, sometimes in June, sometimes in March. I think what they want to do is have a launch just for the Vision Pro. They don't want to mix this up with... I don't know, new iPhone cases or an upgraded Mac mini or new iPads. They want to have a one-hour extravaganza from the Apple spaceship with dancing girls and the whole thing. We'll see what happens. I mean, we've discussed offline my feeling about this device that is not for everyone. In fact, it's for almost no one at $3,500. We'll see what happens. Yeah, this is a really interesting time for Apple, right? Because they, they haven't really come out with any fascinating new and original products in a long time. Well, since the iPad, to be fair. Well, yeah. I mean, like the most recent one that you could almost say was like a big new product for Apple was the Apple Watch. But I mean, you know, it's it's a wearable. Wearables had kind of already been a thing. But I think that's the only one in the Tim Cook era, right? It was just yeah. the Apple Watch. That's the only one that comes to mind anyway. Well, maybe the AirPods. It's not like they're unique. There had been earbuds for a long time, particularly since the iPod. But the whole thing of having wireless, Bluetooth, you know, quality sound, noise cancellation. But it's an iteration. It's not a new product. It's true. The iPad was a new product. The Apple Watch was a semi-new product. And the Vision Pro is, I, I want to say... Don't take this wrong, listeners, but I want Apple to fail because they haven't failed with anything big for a long time. And a company this size needs to learn some humility. 
When we talked about Johnny Ive leaving Apple a year ago, year and a half ago, there was a story that I read where he wouldn't drive in one of the cars that the car service had sent him because he didn't like the license plate number or something really ridiculous. This is the kind of thing that Apple, you know, the people designing this stuff, there's wonderful Apple engineers at the lower level, but the ones who are wealthy and pushing this as a toy for the rich don't seem to realize that this is not something that anyone can really use. Like we were talking earlier, would you have a family sit around and watch a movie with everyone with their Vision Pros at $3,500 each? You have a big TV, everyone can sit around and they can talk to each other instead of being isolated with these goggles on. I just don't see the use case. It just, it's, Remember that commercial, 1984 won't be like 1984? Well, this makes me think of 1984. Ooh, wow. That's that's cutting deep there. <laughs> yeah. You know, you make some fair points. And, and I do think the price tag is probably the thing that's going to be the biggest deterrent to people buying these things. By the way, the, the February launch date... There's multiple sources and pretty reliable sources who are saying this. Mark Gurman, Kirk always calls him Apple's designated leaky Mark Gurman. And also Ming-Chi Kuo is the other person who has a pretty good track record for these things. And they are both saying February is when Apple's going to launch this. They've had these devices in beta testers' hands for a while now and have been coming out with new Vision OS updates on a pretty regular basis. So February does seem like that's when we're going to get the new goggles, the, the Vision Pro. By the way, it's also interesting to see what Apple's competitors are doing in this space. You know, obviously with Meta, we've got, and they've they've had some variation of the Quest or Oculus line. They've had variations of that for some time. They came out with a, a new one pretty recently. Uh, and the price tag is like a tenth of the, the cost of the Vision Pro. And so it doesn't really matter that it's not quite as good as the Vision Pro because it's actually affordable for a lot more people. The other thing, though, that Meta is doing is they've partnered with Ray-Ban now, and they have these new AI sunglasses that look like regular sunglasses, but they happen to have a camera in them. And they actually do a pretty good job, considering that it's a tiny little camera of recording video, and it's interactable. You can talk to it and have it do things. They're going to be continuing to upgrade this software as well. And that's at a much better price point, and it looks so much better on your face than having giant goggles. And so maybe that's the direction that these AI-enhanced goggles are, are more likely to be successful in. So that means when I see someone wearing Ray-Bans outdoors, I have to assume that they're filming me now, like Google Glass? You can see, if you look closely, you can see that little circular camera. It's not as ugly as Google Glass was back in the day, but I think we're finally at a point in society. It's like you were talking about before with, you know, Apple got a little ahead of themselves with the Newton. It just wasn't the right time to launch that product. Maybe Vision Pro, it's not quite the right time. Maybe they should have waited a generation or two or worked out some of the details like how heavy the thing is and not having to have the battery included. So you got to have this wire going down to your battery. It, it feels like it's maybe a little early to launch the product, but you know we'll see. Maybe it will be a surprise success, but just that price tag, that's the real thing that's going to hold people back. Well, it's not just that. It's that when we saw the presentation video for the Vision Pro, it looked like an episode of Black Mirror. It looked like a dystopian thing where, remember the guy's in the kitchen while his daughter's having a birthday party? Like, your daughter's, your eight-year-old daughter's got a birthday party and you got these goggles on your face? It, it's a sad 
image of society like that. You you mentioned before the show about 3D TV and everyone, all the TV makers thought 3D was the next big thing. And I bought a 3D TV once because I couldn't buy a non-3D TV. I don't even know where the glasses are. I never used it. Who wants to watch 3D TV? Who wants to put glasses on, especially if they already wear glasses, right? Now, don't forget the Vision Pro. If you wear glasses, you need to buy special lenses that are only made by one company. And I don't know how much they cost. That's maybe another couple hundred dollars. It's just, it's like, yes, the Vision Pro is better than the Oculus, just like an Aston Martin is better than a Toyota. But not many people really care about getting the Aston Martin. Exactly. Right. And and the reason I brought up the 3D TVs is because, you know, those are just passive glasses, right? They're not, they didn't have technology in them that's, you know, needs to be battery powered or they didn't need batteries. Exactly. They yeah. were just glasses that you could put on. And it was hard enough to find a family that was willing to buy enough pairs of glasses to all sit there and watch a 3D movie together, let alone a $3,500 goggle set that you got to put on for every person that just, it just doesn't seem like at least per, for that particular use case, it doesn't make sense. Hey, you know, if you fly on international flights a lot, you've got time to watch movies and maybe it's those people who will, it'll make a lot more sense to get a, a vision pro. Yes. When I get my G five private jet, I'll get a vision pro and I'll watch movies that way. All right. <laughs> that's enough for this week until next year, Josh, stay secure. Oh, that's right. It is next year. Stay secure. Thanks for listening to the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security, with your hosts, Kirk McElhern and Josh Long. To get every weekly episode, be sure to follow us in Apple Podcasts or subscribe in your favorite podcast app. And if you can, leave a rating, a like, or a review. Links to topics and information mentioned in the podcast can be found in the show notes for the episode at podcast.intego.com. The Intego website is also where to find details on the full line of Intego security and utility software, intego.com.